how to analyze offers as a seller on today's episode of the Champion Hustle Podcast. You are listening to the Champion Hustle Podcast. Play to succeed in business and in life. Featuring Levi Hunsaker and Ryan Black. Welcome to the Champion Hustle Podcast with the worst intro ever of all time. My my name is Ryan Black. (laughs) And my name is Levi Hunsaker. And wow. (laughs) So this is going to be a fun episode. We're getting it started off with tongues tied. So let's see how this goes today. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, so Levi, yeah, now that we've put our best, now that I've put my best foot forward, how are, how are you doing today? Your two left feet forward? Yes. Maybe that's not a bad thing. You're left-handed though, so. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? See, right? <laughs> and this, as the saying goes, only left-handed people are in their right minds, right? Because you're, you're the opposite hemisphere of your brain. That's what they say, but I've, I've met you. I don't, I don't think that saying is true at all. Well, we will resolve this once we're <laughs> off the air. We don't want uh, we want to keep this uh, not too violent for the kitties. No, um, yeah, this is a this is a good, this is going to be a cool episode. I'm I'm stoked about um, the topic that we're going to cover today because uh, we're really going to take all you guys behind the scenes and kind of show our process, our thought process of how we decide which offer we're going to accept. In uh, you know. In a, in, a, in, a, in a deal once once we're selling the property and we're actually going to use real data, real numbers from a property that we just closed on um, earlier this week. So, yeah. So before we get into that, we got to tell you guys, the summit, the Make Profits Again Summit, it starts today. So if you are not registered already, go to championhustle.com forward slash summit. And get yourself registered. It's absolutely free. You get four days of amazing, amazing content. Six, seven, eight, and even nine-figure income earners are actually sharing their secrets. How are they profitable? And what are they doing in 2021 to rock their business so that you can take those tips and rock your business too? Make sure you get signed up because it's awesome. Yep, absolutely. Once again, championhustle.com slash summit. Go check it out before it's too late because it will be, <laughs> it will disappear. All right, guys. Um, so, so offers, accepting offers. This is, uh, you know, what's interesting right now, our real estate market that we're in, at least in Utah, I mean, well, nationwide, it's really hot, but particularly the number one real estate, hottest real estate market in the country is, uh, is Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City, Utah. Yep. Over so, 20% appreciation in the last year. It is insane. Now that's not sustainable. No, <laughs> and not, we know not that. At all. We know that. And obviously we don't bank on uh, you know on appreciation as an investment strategy. That's not how we do things. That's very foolish. Um, it's simply a bonus. But what we what we so what we want to talk to today is you know, let's say you're you're in a deal, or you've done a deal, and uh, or even even your primary residence, right? You're selling your primary, and you are uh, you know looking at the offers, kind of figuring out what you know what you uh, what your best option to go with is, and it's very situational. Every situation is a little bit different, but we have some key takeaways, and then we'd like to kind of show you and break down what our thought process was on this last deal, so that uh, give you a little bit of insight on that. Yeah. So as we get into this, though. You got to remember that it all starts with listing strategy, because if you don't have more than one offer to analyze, 
you don't have anything to compare against. And we're going to, we're not going to jump into how to list your property to maximize the number of offers that you're going to get and kind of create that bidding war. But, you know, we'll, we'll look at doing that as another episode today. Yeah. We're going to focus on, you've already listed it. You're getting offers coming in and how are you going to take those offers and figure out which one is not necessarily the highest one, but which one is the best one. Yeah. And I think I, I love that idea. I think it'd be great to have that as a conversation for another episode because you're absolutely right. Listing strategy is crucial. If you do that, if you don't do that right, this episode doesn't apply. So <laughs> that's true. So there, there are certain factors, right, that we're looking at when we're receiving the offers, whether you receive, you know, three offers or 30 offers, it doesn't really matter. There's some key, um, some key indicators that obviously you want to look at. The, the most common one that people think is obviously price, right? Well, how much did they offer? And that's important, but uh, it's simply one of the things to consider. So what is the offer price? How much are they going to pay for the property? So, so if I went and offered a million dollars for a property that's $200,000, is that a strong offer? It depends. Like I, as, a, as a seller, are you sitting there thinking, oh yeah, these guys are serious? It depends. You have to look at everything as a whole. You can't right. just simply look at the offer price. So, um, so yeah. price is good, but is not the only thing that you need to be looking at. Mm -mm. Because you got to remember as a seller, right? What is your goal ultimately as a seller? You want to sell the property for the highest net profit possible not necessarily the highest price, because depending on other terms, depending on what their offer price is, you could actually be netting less. So you want to sell the property for the highest net profit, which usually means highest offer price, but not always, in the quickest amount of time in the most secure and guaranteed fashion. So yep. you, they actually have to be able to perform and close on the sale. <laughs> and, and that last one is the, probably one of the most important when you, when you talk about being secure and guaranteed. Yeah. If you're not secure and guaranteed and somebody else can actually close even, you know, five or $10,000 less, maybe, maybe that's something worth considering. Yeah. We're going to talk about that today. Absolutely. So what are some of the other considerations besides the offer price? Oh, uh, earnest money deposit. So EMD, if somebody comes in and puts down 500 bucks and says, Hey, I want to buy your house versus somebody coming in and putting 10, 15, 20, $30,000 down. Who's more serious for sure. Well, and it's not just that it's also, so it's the, the quantity of earnest money deposit, but it's also whether it's hard or not. And so well, you know, what do you mean by that? So, so we're, <laughs> we're going to be using terms that some of our listeners may not be familiar with. What does it mean when money goes hard? So simply when you, when you place a deposit down, you, know, you, you submit your offer as a buyer. You say, I want to purchase the property and you are offering a deposit to put some skin in the game. If the deposit is hard, that means it's non-refundable. And so depending on the terms in the offer, the, the, the earnest money could either be hard immediately or it could go hard after some type of due diligence or inspection period, or it could be a mixture of the both of maybe you're putting $20,000 down as an earnest money deposit and 10,000 goes hard instantly. And then the other 10,000 goes hard after you have, a, have had an opportunity to do due diligence. 
So, um, yeah, it just simply means that it becomes non-refundable. And if for whatever reason, the buyer says, you know what, I'm not going to keep this property. I'm not going to move forward. Then um, the seller gets to keep that uh, deposit and then they go and sell to somebody else. Yep. And uh, a lot of that is just, that's the cost of doing business. That's the cost of having the property tied up for that time while you are taking a look at it. Yeah. And there's, there's other issues. You can stigmatize a property if it's under contract a long time and then it falls through. And yeah, yep. there's, there's a whole, there's a plethora of reasons why we want to ensure that we are protected with hard, a hard earnest money deposit as a seller. Right. Yep. So, so it's goes, different as a buyer. We want to, we want to have as little money in the game as a buyer, but as a seller, we want people to have as much skin in the game as possible. Yes. And, and that's so a really good two point. sides of the coin. <laughs> Let's make sure that, yeah, that our listeners understand we are talking today from the seller's perspective. If we were talking about this conversation from the buyer's side, uh, all the information would be the exact opposite <laughs> nearly. So we got to play both. We play both sides well, of the well, coin maybe, depending on where maybe. we're at. So I'll, I'll just throw this out here. We're not going to dive into this because this is about being a seller, but as a buyer, if you want to make sure you're get your offer accepted, treat the seller very nicely. True. Like we're talking about here. And you can almost guarantee that you're going to be the winning offer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, one of the other uh, things that uh, we look at is obviously do, kind of goes along with the earnest money going hard is a due diligence period. First off, whether or not yeah. the buyers are requesting a due diligence period or whether their initial walkthrough is, nope, we're good. We don't need, um, you know, we don't need due diligence as an escape clause, which we've talked about in prior episodes. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that the buyer is not going to do an inspection. They could still do an inspection. The, the difference is, the results of that inspection are not going to allow them to cancel their contract and receive their earnest money back. So right. they're simply not having it as a contingency. They'll do an inspection. That's, that's normal, but their earnest money is not contingent or them closing is not contingent upon the results of, uh, you know, the, the inspection being done. Yeah. Um, another one is settlement date. So, you know, this is a funny one because it depends on what kind of property you're dealing with. You know, in a, a commercial or a residential property, you know, 30 to 45 days is fairly standard for a lot of banks just to deal with the financing aspects. Now, sometimes you can do a lot of pre-qualification work and get everything set up and ready to go so that things can close a lot faster than that. But 30 to 45 days is pretty standard. If somebody comes in and says, hey, I can close this in a week. Well, that's that's going to you know, make my ears perk up. Right. But in, in a commercial property, you know, your due diligence and settlement could be six months to a year out. If it's a large multifamily complex, if mm -hmm. it is a, a major industrial commercial property, you know, the due diligence period on that is far extended from a residential property. Absolutely. And, and so in a commercial property, you might come in and say, you know what? I can close this in two months. And then the commercial uh, property owner is thinking, wait, two months? Hmm, that's something worth considering. So it's all relative to the type of real estate that you're dealing with, but know what the typical timeframes are. And if you can do it faster, well, now you can <laughs> position or, or the buyer positions themselves as a potentially stronger candidate on the offer. 
Yeah. Well, and, and an important thing to understand too is, you know, why do we want to sell quickly? And the obvious one is the sooner we sell, the sooner we get paid. But when we're talking about short-term investment strategies, there's many reasons why we want to get out as quickly as possible. We may be paying interest on, you know, on time is money. Time is money, right? We want to turn around the faster you can turn around each deal, the faster you can get into the next deal. We want to get paid sooner. Um, the longer you hold on to a short-term property, the greater the possibility is that there is a massive shift in the market. Now it could go up, but it could also go down. And we don't want to be holding the short end of the stick when that happens. Uh, there's also possibility that uh, deferred maintenance or massive failures could occur on the property. Properties are kind of like ticking time bombs. Uh, you know, at some point, the water heater is going to fail. The you know the furnace is going to fail. There's going to be a, a plumbing leak. There's going to be a roof leak, right? Now, granted, on this property, we pretty much replaced everything so that we weren't really concerned about that. But, um, but still, you're done. You don't want to be sitting there holding, paying property, you know, insur- paying property tax, paying insurance, paying utilities. You're just wasting time. So we want to get want to get sold as quickly as possible and move on to the next one. Absolutely. Um, some other things to consider is concessions. You know, mm-hmm. are you is the buyer asking for concessions? Are they wanting you to pay their closing costs? Are they wanting, um, I guess, allowances for things like carpet or appliances and things like that? Um, again, with this property, that wasn't really an issue because it was all brand new anyway. But, you know, those could be there. On the flip side, is the buyer offering concessions? Yes. That's how I like offering it. to pay for things <laughs> for you? Now, that that works really well in a seller's market. In a buyer's market, buyers aren't going to be offering a lot of concessions. But no. right now is a great way to to potentially have some additional benefit on that. Absolutely. One of the, I would say, one of the most important things to consider, particularly in a market like we have right now, is that of appraisal conditions. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a highly uh, appreciating m- market that's just going crazy and appreciating like mad, a lot of times the the you know the property value or the the prices that homes are selling at it really doesn't align with truly what the market can support. It's they're inflated values, and so when you come in and get an appraisal on that, if your sales price is you know. Thirty or forty thousand dollars above what the true or more above what the true market value is on that property, and your buyer is is you know really they're right there at the edge of kind of what they qualify for with the finances. They can't make up the difference. The bank is only going to lend you know whatever loan to value they're they're at based off of the appraised market value. And so what that means for for you as the seller is if your buyer is way over appraised value. They're going to have to either make up the difference in cash for you know the, the the spread between the appraised value and the sales price, or they're going to have to back out. So that could that can kill the deal really fast. Yeah, and and a thing to note in a fast appreciating market, there there's no possible way that a, an appraisal can actually keep up with what the market is actually willing to support. So that's the funny thing about real estate, especially among other things, is. Real estate is worth what people are willing to pay for it. Right. But the appraisals is kind of like a check on that. And in a fast appreciating market, that actually might hold things back a little bit. Because what comps is the appraiser using? 
what just sold in the last six months or three months or depending in a fast appreciating market, things are selling fast. So you're not probably going to have to go back 12 or 18 months to get comps. Right. But that's the conundrum you face, right? Because it's appreciating so quickly, you're basing, the appraiser is basing the property value off of something that sold two or three or four weeks ago. Whereas now you're, you've appreciated much more than that. So you can't, you can't get the value, the future value. You have to go off past values and then they, you know, adjust it a little bit, but yeah. But, but in reality, the market is willing to pay that somebody offered yep. the new price. And so I, I'm not an appraiser, but I, th- I think that that should be taken into account as well. And I, I believe that they do somewhat, but they also have to be able to justify it to the banks. Yeah, I have my opinion. I have some opinions about appraisers. I'm going to keep my mouth shut <laughs> because I was told as a child, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> I didn't say anything bad about an appraiser. I just stated my opinion on, on reality. Somebody was yeah. willing to pay it. That was the offer. Yeah, that I, I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. What, um, and, and I guess one other one would be, and this one is, I don't think anybody is going to be putting this right now in our market, but who knows, <laughs> would be <laughs> that your, your purchase is contingent upon the sale of, uh, of another property, right? So you got a buyer who is selling their home and then they want to buy yours. And so, but in order for them to be able to buy yours, it's going to be contingent upon the sale of their other property. Um, that would be laughable at, at this point right now. If somebody put that in as an offer, wouldn't even remotely be considered. It, it is one that is common and it's out there in this type of a market. That's not really going to happen, yeah. but the, the, let's, let's consider a, a case where, you know, your, your house might actually sit for a while and that might be the offer that comes in. Um, you, you might need to accept something like that in a buyer's market, but the, the risk with that is a daisy chaining effect of, well, their buyer might have the same contingency and their buyer might have the same contingency. And then you have a house of cards where one person falls through and the whole chain of deals falls apart. Exactly. And actually, if you guys are interested in learning more about that and how it works, go see episode number 42, Escape Clauses, Offers, and You. Ah, yes. And uh, we discuss that in depth. And actually, I remember we talk about a strategy that we actually used where we accepted that term where it was uh, contingent upon the sale of another property, but we still maintained all the control and it wasn't a limiting factor whatsoever as we were selling. So there's some, there's some secrets and some techniques you can use. Go back to episode 42 and uh, give that a re-listen if uh, you're interested in learning a little bit more about that. Okay. So now we, we've talked about some of these things. There's definitely more things to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, Every, every factor, uh, other escape clauses and things that people put in contracts, those are all uh, parts of the deal. They may even offer uh, additional information that lets you know how serious of a buyer they are. And we're going to talk yeah. about that. But why don't we jump in and look yeah. at the numbers on this deal? Yeah, let's pull up. We've got, uh, it's kind of like a spreadsheet uh, with with the numbers mapped out. on this On this deal in particular, had uh, I believe it was twenty three offers in total. Uh, we had twenty three offers. Twenty three offers. <laughs> and in the open house, and we had over hundred people walk the property. 
And it was, it was a bloodbath. People were just, just going crazy over this. What's interesting is, is the offer that we ended up accepting was not the highest dollar value offer. I know we hinted at that earlier. But why not? Because we just uh, wanted to make less money. No, because we (laughs) wanted the deal. We wanted to go with the best offer that was going to net us the most amount of money in the quickest amount of time in the most secure way. And so um, as as we look through this, um, you'll notice there kind of on the left, for those of you who are listening, guys, this is another episode where we're visual, We've got numbers. And so we, we pulled this up. You can uh, you know, check out our, our YouTube vi- on our YouTube channel or on Facebook if you want to see, uh, or on IGTV, if you want to see the, the numbers as we're going through this. So you can see the and, kind of every line out there. Oh, what's yeah, up? Levi? Yeah, we, we, will, we will do our best to describe it, but it's kind of hard to describe <laughs> everything that you're seeing. Yeah. In a, a quick amount of time. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do our best, but if you want to see it all right in front of you, check it out on the, the video platforms. And, and to be clear, these are real numbers. These were the numbers, the, what we've done uh, for, for privacy, of course, we have blocked out the first two rows, which contained the buyer's name as well as their agent's name to, you know, to respect their privacy. But these are the actual offers that we received. So we've got uh, the purchase price, um, whether they had an escalation clause, we had the, if they were contributing to close, closing costs, how much earnest money they were putting in, uh, how much of that earnest money was hard or non-refundable from the beginning, whether they were requesting a home warranty, which on that is basically we contribute 500 bucks to closing so that they can choose a home warranty. It's not that big a deal. Uh, how much they're willing to contribute, uh, cover our closing costs, what our net would be to us the type of loan that they are going to be using that can also determine how feasible it is for them to be able to get uh, funded. The, the down payment amount, that's another important thing, not just how much earnest money are they putting in, but how much are they putting down, right? Uh, what the due diligence looks like when their due diligence was going to expire, their financing and appraisal deadline when that was going to expire, when if they have an appraisal contingency, what their settlement date was, and uh, what uh, if there were any other contingencies, and then also what uh, you know, as far as the agent that was representing them, how competent they they are. Now that makes a difference if we're dealing with a buyer who has a really solid agent that's going to make the process smoother versus making it a nightmare. And then um, any other notes as far as uh, you know how far above appraisal appraised value they're able to go. Or uh, you know any other any other details. So we've got lots of. Uh, let's scroll to the very last page. Okay. How no. far down are we going? Uh, p- the very uh, keep going. It would be page four. There's four pages of offers. Okay, and, that's the last page. No. Okay. Now. If you look at the the very last offer here, the uh, the offer so so we listed the property at five thirty five. Um, once again, we're not going to talk about our listing strategy. That's a conversation for another day. We listed at five thirty five, and the um, the offer that was would be one of the worst offers 
which may sound counterintuitive, was a full cash offer. It was a full price cash offer at 535000 Obviously, there's no... Um, well, isn't that the most secure offer? That was not going to net us the highest. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> it's a consideration. Would it have been secure? Well, yeah. I mean, there's cash and they would be able to... But what was interesting is they were one of the slowest close dates. And they had uh, due diligence. They had one of the slowest close dates. So no, that is out. They're- the way that I look at that is a cash offer should be able to close very quickly. Now you, you talked to about 40 this. Hours. Yeah. yeah. So you talked about this with this, this property, it was purchased um, in over a weekend, basically got it under contract on a Friday, closed on a Monday. Like that, that's, yeah, that, that may be 72 hours on a calendar, but in business days, that's 24 hours. Well, and, and we, and we've done under contract Sunday by it Monday. That's less than 24 hours. That's (laughs) cash. Yeah. So, so somebody that can do a cash offer, what I'm looking at is, okay, they have this long due diligence period. What they're trying to do is get it under contract and renegotiate Yep. because that's what we do as investors. Yeah. Right. That's probably another investor that's coming in and thinking, man, I could get this for way less and then turn around and sell it for what it was sold for. Good luck, dude. <laughs> not going to happen on, we're not going to happen with us. And that person also, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have an agent either, which we don't really care about. We would have, we would have saved uh, some money as far as, uh, you know, the agent fees for the buyer's agent, but still, even with saving, not having to pay a buyer's agent commission, it still wasn't going to be, and more importantly, the points that you just brought up, Levi, made us say, nope, next. We thought about that offer for about a half a second and said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody thought they were being really clever. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, and let's see, what else do we have? There's, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to go through all of them because there's just a lot of, go, let's go up to the next page. There's just lots and lots of numbers. Let's just call out some specific things to highlight. Yeah. Um, this was on here is interesting. You know, the appraisal needed to be at least 575 for them to work for it, for it to work for them. You can see the down payments on most of these are, are on par 100, 110, 150, 120, 143, as far as what they're doing as a down payment. So, um, I mean, that, that shows. It communicates a couple of things. One is a level of financial, um, you know, stability that that they have that liquid that liquid cash to be able to put down. One of these, they're only doing fifty five thousand down, and that's where we see, uh, you know, a challenge where, unfortunately, that buyer is they're only 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 able to do fifty five down, and you know they I mean, have that's not that. even ten percent. No, that, that's that's a low down payment. For it this is. property. And so, you know, things like that that stand out, we're saying, okay, un- that buyer unfortunately is a little bit beyond their means on this. This is really not in their price range because it's, yeah. So we have to kind of cut, cut them out because the probability of them being able to successfully close is, is quite low compared to the other ones. Um, and we see here also there was one where they had uh, you know ten thousand dollars on their uh, due, their uh, earnest money deposit, and then ten thousand goes hard after due diligence 
or, and then there was, so basically they're not risking any of their money. So that tells us, nope, not compared to some of the other ones. We had another one where it was 10,000 earnest money and 5,000 went hard instantly. So then we're thinking, okay. Um, so yeah, there's actually two here. And then the one right in the middle, the 560 offer. So they were doing 10,000 down, 5,000 is instantly hard. You oh, may I, think- I, I missed that. I thought you were talking about the other one. Yeah, well, yeah, there was, there there was multiples, yeah. And you, and you may be thinking, well, I mean, that's a pretty good strategy, right? You put it under contract and then you get five grand. And then, uh, you know, when they break a contract, you go and sell it to somebody else. You just made an extra 5K. Um, yes, but how much time have we just wasted? We've just lost a week or two, not to mention that you go back to all the buyers and they say, well, it was under contract. Why did the other buyer back out? And so it can stigmatize the property a little bit. We, um, it's a good insurance policy for us to know, hey, if they back out, at least we've got something. But that 10,000 down, 5,000 hard just didn't cut it for us. Let's go to the next page. Um, and then, I mean, some of these are, yeah, th- so they, they had, they had escalations. More cash offers. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more cash offers that were, you know, we're going to net us more. Um, and then, uh, you know, so how you much mentioned escalations, cash offers. Yeah. And basically in these, so to give context, an escalation clause, what basically what that means is somebody, let's say they say, okay, I offer 575. I offer 575 with an escalation of plus 1000 capped at 610. So what that means is, is they're offering 575. And then if somebody offers 580, they will then offer that automatically bumps them up to 581. Or if somebody offers, then another offer comes in at 590, then they're 591. They're always plus 1000 in that scenario, plus $1,000 over whatever capped at whatever their capped amount is. The funny thing is, is the people who submitted escalation offers on this, their escalation caps were still lower than other offers. So all we did was simply, uh, you know, for example, this one that was 603.550 from 572.021. So they, you know, even though they initial offered 572, because we had offers way over six, we simply meant made their escalating offer. Their offer was 603, which still wasn't one of the best offers. So, so this is a, a funny thing though, because at the purchase, there was an escalation in the offer, <laughs> an escalation clause. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it yeah. does go both ways. Uh huh. Yep. That we used escalation to buy it. So I'm yeah. We're not against escalation clauses at all. You just kind of have to understand where uh, how they work and how to use them properly. So yeah, nothing nothing to see there. What do we got on the next page? Just a bunch of offers that don't work. Okay, so here is where we start getting interesting. So when you look kind of at the top five offers, our highest uh, dollar value offer was, as far as just straight up purchase price, was six fifty six. Now, um, that is not the offer we went with. Why not? Well, you see they had uh, 20,000 earnest money, 10,000 went hard immediately. We had uh, conventional, they had a lower down payment. So they only had uh, $56,000 down, which was meh. They did have a due diligence period. They did have an appraisal condition uh, contingency. 
And um, the lender said they can close fast. They can close in two weeks. But it, the, the appraisal contingency and the due diligence, even with that extra, you know, little bit of money that was going to come to us, about an extra 10 grand, we said, nope, not worth it. Not worth the risks. There were, you know, a couple other deals that, that a couple other offers that were similar, you know, 640, uh, 645, 648, where, you know, they had a lower amount of, uh, I mean, one of them, they had $50,000 earnest money. You might think like, that's incredible. Yeah, but only 30,000 of it went hard after, uh, went hard, only, only 20,000, excuse me, only 20,000 went hard immediately, 30,000 after due diligence. So in reality, they're not risking the 30K at all. Like we know, we know the game. We know how it works. And <laughs> we, so, we play the game yeah. all the time. <laughs> we make huge, uh, huge earnest money deposit offers as well. And we're not afraid because <laughs> we know, we know what we're doing. We understand contracts. So um, the, the fact that they, you know, some of them had the appraisal contingencies and they had the due diligence, we just said no. So the offer that we ended up going with was uh, the first one there on the left, where now initially the purchase price was six twenty-five, and um, and so we said, look, we, we we went back to him, or we had our you know, our listing agent go back to him and said, look, um, you have you've got the best terms. We like your terms, but you're not high enough on the price. Uh, you got to come up. You got to come up. You know. 10, 15, 20 K on the price. And so, and if so, it's yours because we got offers that are a lot higher than yours, but your terms are the best. So in the end, the buyer was able to come up to 640. So, uh, so he came up 15,000 up to 640. And the reason, so here are the reasons why. So he's still, you know, a little bit less. We're 16,000 below the highest offer, but let's look at everything. Did he, um, how much earnest money was our buyer willing to put down? $20,000. How much was hard? All of it. So he put down 20K hard immediately. Was he asking for a home warranty? No. He was willing to cover up to $6,000 in closing costs for us. That means really he's more like 646 because the other ones, they weren't going to cover any closing costs. So then we're only sitting at about a $10,000 net difference. So for 10K, okay, so far we're good. Uh, doing a conventional loan, doing 110,000 down, no due diligence, no financing, no appraisal, no contingencies, settling. Um, he was the, I believe it was the fastest settlement date. Yep. And was capable of covering up to $90,000 over appraised value out of pocket. Remember, there was no contingency. So that was, I mean, that was not an issue. But just as an informational thing, had enough cash on hand to be able to cover the difference over appraised value, and um, so that those things made it very, very clear that uh, here's our winner. Why? Because he had the fastest close, no contingencies, no issues, hard earnest money, nearly the highest net amount. I mean, it was negligible the difference. It was you know ten grand or so that that would be the the difference on the payout which in this grand scheme of things, uh, whatever, let's just get it sold and get it done and move on to the next one. And that is why we went uh, with, with that offer. So, so if you guys are sitting here thinking, well, 10 grand, that's a, a lot of money um, in real estate, 10 grand doesn't go very far. So for example, 
what was the rehab budget on this, Ryan? $150,000. <laughs> and what was the, what was the net profit? Nearly 150,000. Right. So, so that's what we're talking about here. And I mean, this, this is a home run deal. Like every deal doesn't go like this. Um, you know, even, even some deals have the potential to lose money. If Absolutely. you don't know what you're if you, if you're not protecting yourself, if you don't have the knowledge, if you don't have the relationships to kind of have contingency plans, different ways to, to turn a property to still make it profitable. But this was a home run deal. And so it takes work. It takes knowledge. It takes relationship. It takes effort. It doesn't just happen. Our lawyers make us say stuff like that. So <laughs> we'll just throw that out there. Yep. Um, but $10,000 in the terms in terms of nearly 150k is not going to be the thing that breaks the deal. No. Yeah, you really have to I mean you look at the numbers obviously as investors you know we're buying and selling based off the numbers. You got to look and see how serious is the buyer how and I mean that buyer had it was what was all in. Skin in the game yep. and there was no backing up so the likelihood because I mean, let's say let's say the other buyer who offered you know sixteen thousand more. Let's say they come back and have all of these you know due diligence things, and they're saying, oh, you know what, this tile is a little bit crooked, and this thing is off, and you know what, we don't like how you did this, and this needs to be redone. It's not worth it. It's not worth it for us to go through that when we have a buyer who is like, you know what, because that buyer and uh, was there with a family member at the open house and they spent several hours walking through the property. I mean, really looking it up, asking tons of questions to the listing agent and really getting a good feel for, uh, you know, all the details, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the property, right? Cause every property has kind of different, uh, quirks and things about it. And so they truly understood, okay, this is what we're, you know, this is what we really like. Oh, here's some, some things that, uh, you know, we're going to change. And I actually had the other day, had a really good conversation with the buyer right after uh, it closed. I, I was there taking care of a few uh, last details on the property and the buyer showed up and we had a good conversation. And, uh, you know, he was sharing with me some of the ideas. Oh yeah, I noticed you guys did this and I love it. And you know what, over here, I'm going to kind of change a little bit what you did or, or modify it. Hey, cool, man, go for it. And so um, he already knew kind of what it was what things he liked. And, and then he had kind of a punch list of some things that he wanted to do to make it his own. So, uh, but that the bottom line is we chose the offer that made the most sense for us. And it was not the highest offer and it was not the highest net profit, but it was the most secure and the fastest. And um, we definitely made the right choice. Yeah. So I hope you guys got a ton of value out of this as you're considering how you can do this with maybe even your rental properties and, uh, or not rental properties, your, your properties, even your personal property. Absolutely. Like you can take this and figure out how to look at all the offers that you're receiving to make it the best offer for you. And nobody gets to tell you what that is, but understanding what you're looking for, that's the first step. So. Hope you got value. And you know what? We want to remind you once again, this summit, this four-day event starting today and through Saturday. 
So May 19th through the 22nd, there is still time. Even if it's, you know, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, there's still time for you to get registered and get a ton of value. So it's absolutely free. Go to championhustle.com forward slash summit, and you can actually get access to dozens and dozens of, um, you know, successful business owners that are sharing their secrets of how they run their business and take that and put it into your business. That's what the offer is. It's all about helping you be successful in your business. Whether that's real estate or whether it's something else. So, yeah. And, and if you're catching this episode and it's after the fact, uh, reach out to Ryan and I, um, there's, there's a for a contact form on our page and, and let's talk about, you know, maybe there may be ways, some ways that you can get access to the recordings after the fact. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Well, okay. fun episode. That was a fun episode. Yes. I love talking. I love talking about the deals that we're doing because it's real. For realties. Now, next week, we've got a good episode coming up for you. Next week is going to be five simple ways to crush your goals, whether those are business goals, personal goals, relationship goals, whatever your goals may be. Five simple ways to crush your goals. Soccer goals. No, not soccer goals. Goal! (laughs) Whatever it happens to be, we will talk about it next week, and we hope to see you there. So until then, have a great week. And we'll see you then. Take care, guys. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Champion Hustle podcast. For more great content and to join our online community, visit us at championhustle.com.